What's up, friends? I got some great sci-fi for you this week. We've got episode 19 through the season finale of Star Trek The Next Generation Season 4. Plus, I finished the song Moisture Farm, and I'm going to share the finished version with you, tell you a little bit about the writing process and all that good stuff. So here we go. Jesse Mercury. It's a show about the communal experience of loving science fiction. And this week, we're finishing up our discussion of Star Trek The Next Generation Season 4. So we're going to start out jumping right back into that discussion. I'm talking with Kayla Greet and Tiffin Perry. Later on in the episode, Jeff will come back to join us for the end of the season. So a couple months ago, I was hanging out with my friends Sarah and Rachel, who you've heard on the show, and we were having this really great lazy afternoon, getting some coffee on Capitol Hill, and this song came on the radio at the coffee shop, and it was like a, a sci-fi synth pop song, and I just lost my mind. I'm so, I was so excited. So I shazammed the shit out of it, and <laughs> very excitedly, and it was a song called White Light by Shura. So first of all, I highly recommend Shura. She's great. I've listened to her album over and over since this day. But on top of that, it sparked this idea for a song. And I, I looked over at Sarah and Rachel and said, I'm going to write a love song about Saturn. It's going to be like a bouncy synth pop song. And I meant it. So last night I started working on it. And I thought it'd be fun to play you just a tiny little sample of what this song is going to be like as a little transition into our Star Trek discussion. Uh, this is super rough. I've just only put a couple of hours into this so far, but I'm pretty pumped about the direction it's going in. So let's take a listen and then we'll jump into Star Trek. the nth degree uh the next uh barkley episode this is the second barkley episode after <laughs> hollow pursuits it's great uh this is the one where barkley becomes hyper intelligent becomes super suave and super cool and uh, helps the ship reach this place where they can meet this hyper intelligent being basically who represents this planet so they're they're going to meet explorers but these explorers don't travel they bring everyone to them so it's cool because you have this personal story where Barkley is the one person on the ship who really needs the boost. And he mm -hmm. ends up being the person who gets this personality boost. I remember the first time I watched this episode and I remember feeling so happy for Barkley yeah. through like the first half of the episode. Just being like, oh, he just came into his own. He just finally got confidence from somewhere random. Mm -hmm. And, and it he's really smart. And it wasn't because he like hung out with Troy long enough to realize his own self-worth, right? Like, <laughs> no, definitely not. But I feel like he, he carried some of this with him. Next time we see him is going to be in the Transporter Psychosis episode. And he he's uh -huh. a little better. He's still terrible. I mean, he's still like a nervous wreck. But he's a little better. He's better than when we saw him in Hollow, Hollow Pursuits or in this episode. He's always a character I've really related with. Yeah. Because I have like 
I have some social anxiety, which I feel is like it's something that he deals with. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. He's like visually, visibly like sweating on screen. You yeah, know? absolutely. So, yeah, he's a character. I guess I just loved like the first half of this episode. I was like, oh, he finally like I was so rooting for him. I was mm. so happy for him. And then I was like, oh, when he started getting too smart, I was like, oh, this isn't real. <laughs> so how did that how did that make you feel? You were bummed out that it wasn't real. Yeah, totally bummed out. Um, I feel like if I were in his place, I would be so excited and then I would be so sad afterwards. I feel like he's the kind of person who um, lives off of those moments. You should celebrate it. Yeah. Right? So having this moment to celebrate is a big deal to him, even if it is short and he can still celebrate it. Maybe. Maybe I'm just an optimist. I do love Barkley, though. I love like, he definitely when he shows wants, up in, in first contact. I, I'm so happy. He obviously yeah. wants to be that kind of person because that's all, all his holodeck programs are like. Yeah. Like he's the knight in shining armor that rescues Troy in the dress. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah, for sure. He's just like, this is who I project myself into being. And then he gets that ability to do so. And it, yeah, it is kind of beautiful. It's like. Yeah. That moment where R- or Troy's telling Riker that Barkley made a pass at her and. <laughs> Right. Riker's like, oh, whatever. And she's like, yeah. oh, it was good. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? That was funny. Yeah, I love it. And you should, see, you would think that Jordy and him should be best of friends because they're both fucking weird. But It's so funny, though, because Jordy on the surface is the coolest cucumber on the ship. Mm-hmm. Like, on Absolutely. the surface, he's the most likable person. Yeah. But it's very... It's, he character. has the best social skills yeah. for uh, shallow relationships. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't yes. know how to hold on to deep relationships, which is why his best friend is a machine. Yeah, <laughs> and the really... second best friend is the Enterprise, another machine. Um, I was really glad to see Barkley grow in Voyager. Yeah, like I loved his role in Voyager. I know we're not talking about Voyager. But... No, I was actually <laughs> going to ask you about that. I was conflicted about that because Barkley and Troy in Voyager felt tacked on to me. It felt like oh really? Yeah, it felt like they were trying to recapture the glory days of Next Generation. So it felt like a, a ratings ploy. And that's how I felt like the last episode of Enterprise where they brought back Troy and Riker, which is um, one of the absolute worst episodes of any Star Trek, which is devastating because that show is so the fucking The last good. episode of Enterprise? Of Enterprise. Is, I haven't seen it. Uh, I'll set it up for you because it's, it's not spoiling anything because it's fucking terrible. Um, the premise of the episode is that, remember the episode The Pegasus in season seven when Riker is trying to decide if he should betray his old captain who had the cloaking device or if he should yes. tell the truth oh, gosh, about what happened? Yeah. Yes. So... It takes place during that episode, and Riker's going on the holodeck to try to learn something from the crew of the Enterprise NX-01, which is like the prototype Enterprise that everyone flew around on mm-hmm. on, uh, on Enterprise. They throw in Riker and Troy. They throw in the Enterprise-D. Uh-huh. Data makes a cameo just through his voice. He's not actually there. But it's totally just like trying to say goodbye to Star Trek because they knew that Star Trek was going to be off the air. So the point in time that they picked to say goodbye to Star Trek is the glory days of Star Trek, which is the next generation. That was the most popular show when it was on TV. So whenever they bring back TNG crew, it is a ratings ploy. I mean, they advertised the fuck out of it on UPN when, when Voyager was on UPN. And I remember seeing these ads and being like, oh, well, this show's kind of declining in ratings. So they're trying to get Troy and Barkley to be on there to try to get people to watch it again. Maybe with Troy. I don't think Broccoli is doing anything for ratings. I mean, come on. Come on. I mean, he seemed like he seemed like the right choice for me. I mean, yeah. it seemed like I wanted someone on Earth that I that I knew. Yeah. I, I was frustrated with the with. whole storyline of con- contacting Earth. The only time I liked it was when they did that episode with the doctor where he went and hung out with the other doctor, which is my favorite episode of Voyager. Yeah. But as a whole... 
to me, the point of Voyager was let's disconnect from Starfleet. And you get this little bit of a connection back, and it frustrated me because they weren't really playing up the idea that you're disconnected from Starfleet, and then you're reconnected to Starfleet. It's like, well, this is now just the next generation again. Like, do something different. Show, play, play on the premise that you set up, you know? I could argue about this all day, but... Do it! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the whole premise was they're trying to get home, so they yeah. had to give the audience that hope that they were going to get home. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. I mean, I love Voyager. I know you don't like Voyager. I love it. I'm not saying that I don't like Voyager. It's just my least favorite Star Trek. Okay. Uh, least favorite as in I love Star Trek so much. <laughs> and the first three seasons of Voyager, I really love. But um, the longer it goes on, because the premise is to get home and you know you're not going to, there's just no stakes. Like I, And then they, like the last, so spoiler alert for Voyager, uh, three, two... <laughs> one in the last episode when they finally get home it's in the final moments of the show and you don't get to experience the homecoming and that's a fucking crime for seven years to be flying towards home and then to not get to experience it is fucking bullshit but i thought you just wanted them to be disconnected but i want like... them but i want them to reconnect that's the whole point is to reconnect I don't know. They didn't play off the disconnection and then they kind of reconnect halfway through the show and they get contact uh -huh. with Starfleet and then they don't pay off the real physical reconnection. It's so frustrating to me. I feel like if they would have paid off the physical reconnection with the homeworld, with Earth, whatever, I feel like it would have been so cheesy. There's like, a way how to do could it. They, how could they not make that cheesy? So the end of Deep Space Nine was towing the line of cheesy and not. Like the end of oh, Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Uh, was saying goodbye in a way that felt almost cheesy, but I was so emotional about it that I went along for the ride. It was pretty cheesy. But can you, but then they, I mean, they fucking punch it home with like how rough the ending of that show is. So can you imagine having something really fucking rough happen in Voyager and then get home and then see your family? Like what if a crew member died? during the last episode. And then they all got to see their families, but then there's this one family there whose crew member isn't there. They could have done it. Like they could have done something that would have felt real. I disagree. Well, I I've, think, I think it would have been super cheesy. And I think that yeah. if they would have done the episode, I feel like you would be complaining about how cheesy that episode was. I feel, I feel like Voyager lost its way as a show. I feel like Voyager tried too hard to be like the next generation when they, I feel like they set up something great and then they didn't, trust themselves to follow through on it and then they went back to status quo of star trek give me something new and different like the way that deep space nine did deep space nine was so different i feel like voyager was really different yeah. i do and i also feel like voyager was a really great um was a really great great cross between the next generation and the original series because it was i mean it was a really great storyline it was really fun but it was also really silly yeah which it doesn't surprise me that voyager isn't your favorite when you're not like a huge original series fan. I mean, I really like the original series. You like, really like it. You're I not really a huge like fan though. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't like, I don't watch it for comfort the way I watch the next generation for comfort. Right. Uh, or, or deep space nine or enterprise, all three of which I watch for comfort. I feel like we're getting off on a tangent. <laughs> yeah, but it's really interesting. Um, I mean, Obviously, like in this situation, you are correct because the correct way to be is to enjoy the TV show. Um, and I am I, my frustration is that I just want to enjoy it more than I do. And whenever I try, I keep running against these things that don't seem right to me. And I'm such a picky piece of shit. So I just get like my head just bangs against it over and over and over. I did that with Deep Space Nine for the last really 
you know? Like, in what way? Well, you know, I don't, I never liked Deep Space Nine because I didn't feel like it embodied, like, the Star Trek universe. I didn't yeah. feel like it embodied the Star Trek frame of mind, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, Star Trek, to me, was always supposed to be such a positive thing, such a, you know, a hope for an amazing future. And Deep Space Nine is just so dark. Yeah. But I went back and watched it. I started watching it a couple months ago and rewatched it. And I was like, okay, this is pretty good. But it took me until I was 32 to be able to appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Like I couldn't appreciate it in my 20s. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't appreciate it when I was a kid. When it was on, I stopped watching when it first came on and went back to it as a late teen and then really fell mm -hmm. in love with it. Yeah, I'm halfway through it now and I fucking love it. Yeah, <laughs> I really love it. I, I love the idea that you're putting the Star Trek spirit against a dark universe. Mm -hmm. To me, the show isn't necessarily some dark. There's really it's heavy that, ones. Yeah. At the beginning, it is dark, though. At the beginning, the characters are dark. Hmm. The show is dark. I mean, Cisco is dark. His wife dies in the first episode. Yeah, at the beginning, yeah. it is really dark, which I was like, I'm not I'm not going to get behind this. It took me it took me a while to be able to watch through the first couple of seasons. Yeah. Until it begins to be sort of, it feels like, and I mean, there's, there's money. Yeah. There's a currency in Deep Space Nine. There which is, was hard for me. Which is not that important. It's well, like, but there's the a currency, the Ferengi it, here about Again, it. it's like a, the Starfleet with no currency living in the same place with the Ferengi with currency. That's yeah. interesting to me. Like, let's pit our Starfleet ideals against other cultures. Other cultures. Right. And I mean, they play poker all the time in TNG. So, like, there is currency there. They're playing they're... for fun, though. Yeah, yeah and they just there's replicated no... those chips. Right. Yeah, there's there's no actual currency. That's true, I guess. Yeah. But I the last episode, I took a break from DS9 for a while, um, and I picked it back up, and I was like, what was the last episode I watched? And it was, like, the just begin before the title sequence, and it was the episode where um, all these Starfleet officers got bombed by a changeling, and... It was right when the Orlando shooting happened, oh, wow. and they're like, "This is the biggest, you know, crime against Starfleet personnel in a hundred years." I was like, "I wow. cannot watch this right now." Yeah, like, like this For is sure. too real. Totally. No, it's like, it's really intense, mm -hmm. and it's very real, and it's very close yeah. to home. A yeah. lot of times, I mean, Star Trek is a lot of times too close to home. Yeah, but I can see that. But then you have an episode where Bashir like ages in his own mind, and it's the dumbest <laughs> yeah. thing you've ever seen. Or like floats around with a lady no, with like. <laughs> um, well, yeah. speaking of comedic episodes, we have Cupid coming up. Cupid? Ooh. Is that what's next? <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh! Hooray! <laughs> Hooray! This is so hokey. <laughs> it's Vosh as Rome, uh, Robin Hood. Yeah! I loved this episode. <laughs> yeah, this episode is great. <laughs> this is something so that we can all agree on, right? I always love Q episodes, though. Q yeah. is just like, I mean, Q, like... He's got my heart. You like yeah. John Landry. I, I do want to say before we move on that like <laughs> Tiffin arguing with you about Star Trek is like my favorite thing to do. <laughs> like Same. it's just so real to both of us that it's just I just being and able to talk right. about it with someone who is like as passionate as me right. is really exciting. Yeah, and I don't want anyone sure. who's listening to this to think that like we're mad at each other or something. Because when we hang out by ourselves, this is what we do. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> and this is why I wanted you to come on the show because like. Um, I don't know, because Star Trek is an ethos to me. It's a religion to me in a way that I don't mean seriously. But um, The but Church it, of Star Trek. It's you really, kind of mean it seriously. Well, nah. I mean, the Force is a religion to me in a serious way. <laughs> I mean, it's it's an ethos to me in a serious way, for sure. And uh, it's, it's like Confucianism to me. And being able to talk about it with someone else who feels that way is really exciting. Cause for you, sure. Because you feel that way, too. Don't try to deny it. I know. 
Don't tell anyone. I just told everyone. Okay. Uh, Cupid. Seeing Picard get to play Robin Hood is a fucking treat, right? Uh, Seeing Picard, like, at his... Uh, his, spe- his, uh, his little talk that he's giving when everyone starts to turn into Robin Hood characters and then be beamed off by Q. Such like a fun, playful episode that actually has stakes where you actually care about what happens. I am not a merry man. I was just going to say that's my favorite line from that is Worf. Worf yep. like smashing uh, Jordy's loot. And he looks so classy when he does it, too, right? Like, yeah. with a little feather in his cap. Worf is Will Scarlet. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. I'm so, not a like, my man. friends, uh, the friend that I stayed with in Ireland lives in Carlingford, where the Robin Hood mythology came from. So, wow. like, we walked by the um, the castle, like, the barracks, or I guess it's not barracks, but, like, the dungeony area where, like, Robin Hood was said to have been kept and, like, where the Maid Marian legend all came from. I was like, oh, that's pretty neat to see. Like, it was based off real events. So that's that's a little thing that you can put in your cap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but these episodes always like when they do holodeck or kind of things like this, it just makes me think that I'm watching Red Dwarf. It's so hokey, so cheesy, mm. so comedic. Yeah, but Red Dwarf is awesome. Red Dwarf's amazing. Like this I reminds didn't know me you were into that show. I love that oh, yeah. show. Like this re- episode reminds me of kind of like the like when they go to backwards land and yeah. like <laughs> I just love the end where the cat like goes to poop and he's like forgot that he's in oh. like backwards land. He's like, oh. <laughs> 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 it's just like there's not a whole lot of big stakes involved in this. Yeah, well, I love episodes where the stake is a person. This mm-hmm. is why I liked. Um, uh, what's that movie called that everyone loved that came out last year? A superhero thing. Deadpool. Deadpool. That's why I like oh, Deadpool oh, so much That's because great. the stake in Deadpool is his girlfriend versus like the stake in the Avengers 2 is the end of the world. The end of the world. Yeah. And that gets mm-hmm. old. Mm-hmm. So having, I feel it so it. much more because I have a giant crush on Marina Baccarin. I'm like, <laughs> I watch Firefly. If if she dies, I'll be really upset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I have a stake in Vosh because... This is the only time so far in the whole series where Picard has actually had a romantic, a fun, playful, romantic relationship with someone. And she he's brings so reserved. him the, the idol for the Jamhadar. No, uh, Jamaharo. Jamaharo, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and shows Plus, she's so him. hot. She's she's really she's hot. So she's so hot. She's Lady Indiana Jones. I met someone the other day yeah. that um, had a necklace on that was the, the Horgon. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, you got a Horgon? <laughs> is that like mistletoe? Like, do we have to fuck now? Yeah. We're in an elevator. We could yeah. pop one out real fast. Well, it was so funny when we did the Star Trek trivia, the opening night, like, there was a question about Riza, and the host was like, when vacationing on Riza, and the entire room was like, Riza! Oh. <laughs> like, like, you get like 60 that. Star Trek nerds going like, no! <laughs> like, Man, that reminds me of a horrible memory that I have to uh-oh. share with you. <laughs> My mom was the leader of a Girl Scout troop, and my sister was a Girl Scout, and I went on a lot of the Girl Scout trips. I was, like, the mascot. I was, Uh like, the quote-unquote boy. So Mm -hmm. The boy? I was the boy. So, the boy. (laughs) (laughs) So, on one of the... And I love these Girl Scout trips. It was super fun. On one of the trips, we were playing Trivial Pursuit, and one of the girls was reading a question. It was my turn to answer... And the the an- she read this question, and it was fucking nonsense to me. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, and then the answer was Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm like, uh-huh. what's the name of the TV show with these characters? And she read all of their names so wrong <laughs> that I didn't recognize <sighs> Wait, it. Gene Luck Picard. It was Gene Luck, uh, Gene Luck Picard, Picard. or something. Yeah. 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 And like, 
uh, and Data and uh, Gordy Laforg or something. I'm like, I don't know. Right. <laughs> and it just didn't know. click. Uh-huh. And then the answer was Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, and so I funny. went like beat Bananas. red. I, yeah, I went crazy. Yeah. I was so upset. It was very similar to the time where I was at the Star Trek experience in Las Vegas. And we were walking through the ship because they have all these sets you get to walk That's through. That's my Tiffany happy did this, place. Right? That was the best thing in that the universe. That was my happy place. I know. It was so incredible. I cried. And then we were on the ship and they're like, so are we in the, the drive section or the um, or the saucer section? And I knew the answer was saucer section, but I was like, oh, the drive section. I just said the wrong thing. Yeah. And the tour guide's like, no, <laughs> no, it's the saucer section. And Aww. I was so embarrassed. I was like, I am in Mecca right now. Yeah. <laughs> just making a fucking fool, fool of myself. You were just right? overwhelmed by happiness. Yeah. yeah. And you I had just been teleported. for the. I had just like gone through the transporter yeah. beam for the first time in my life. That's like crazy. when I met Stuart Gordon, who di- directed Reanimator. Oh, and, cool. And I asked him what it was like to direct a Bride of Reanimator, and he said, I didn't do that movie. Ooh. And I was like, oh, cool. Damn. <laughs> my bad. I mean, I was like 20 years old. <laughs> like, Yikes. Google wasn't that big of a thing. That's, that's rough. <laughs> but yeah, he presented Reanimator at the at a theater in Tacoma, and I get to I listen to him movie. talk for a while. Kayla, we should do a show about that movie. Yeah, we should. It's great sci-fi, and too. And it's Jeffrey Combs. And it's Jeffrey yeah. fucking Combs, the man. <laughs> well, how is Bride of Reanimator? I haven't seen it. It's fine. Reanimator is yeah. better. Is it like The Fly 2? I watched 10 minutes of that and turned yeah. it off. I mean, I've watched Reanimator probably five times, but Bride, like, once. I only yeah. saw Reanimator once, but it, it was recent. And it was such a ride. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is cool. This is cool. This is great. This is amazing. This is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> that movie just like ramps the fuck up. And by the time you get to the end, it's like, wow, they really, really hid their cards on this movie. Because this got so good. Have you yeah. seen it, Tiffin? Nope. Oh, oh you'll probably watch it. enjoy it. It's campy and serious and weird and sci-fi. Yeah. I'll put it on my list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Cupid, total classic. Mm-hmm. Um, so great. You you hear the cast talk about how they just had the blast, just like being out in the woods and pretending to be the merry men and having yeah. so much fun. Uh, my only complaint about this episode is that I wish it was longer because I love it so much. <laughs> Isn't Data Friar Tuck? Is that what? Yeah, yeah. with little bald spots. Yeah. It's adorable. I mean, yeah. I love the like surprise ending where Vash goes off with Q. Yeah, it's great. Well, and that's it's, up for that DS9 episode, the Q-less one. Where she's where, just sick of where, him. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I've gone on so many right. adventures with you, and I'm, yeah. Come yeah. Right, 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 right. It was but interesting in this to episode, have her come back, too. Very mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. For sure, for sure. But in this episode, it was actually surprising to me that Picard wasn't angry that she was going off with Q. He's a star. I think he officer. was relieved. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he knows think, what to do with her. I don't think so either. But also, when she, because she explained to him. She was like, oh, I'm going to go with him. And he was like, oh, like he described Q. And she was like, does that sound like anybody else in your yeah. life? And he was uh, he like, it. He's like, that's why I don't like He him. was yeah. like, okay, go have fun, babe. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. My last episode when I interviewed my friend Kevin, uh, which will be two episodes ago by the time this comes out. But uh, he was talking about how Picard was a, a sort of um, role model for positive masculinity for him. And I think uh-huh. this is a really good example of that. Absolutely. Where he doesn't get butt hurt that she's yeah. going off with another man. Like he has feelings for her, mm-hmm. you know, he does. And they may not be, he may not really consider her like a, a viable option of someone to actually be with. Cause, Cause she's too adventurous. She's too adventurous. And that's and what he, he likes really about her too. Do that. Like yeah. she'll never give up her life to come with him on the ship. He'll, and he'll never, never give, give up, up his, his life, life to go with her. Yeah. And they're too much alike. Yeah. And that's why it's, yeah. Yeah. Too much alike in like polar opposite ways, yeah. which is why she's a great match for him mm-hmm. uh next up we've got the drumhead this one is definitely in a lot of people's top list i love it it's not my top list but i love it i really love it a lot this is the one where picard basically goes on trial for crimes against starfleet 
where they're saying like you've broken oh, the prime directive right. so many times. Uh, this the is the one where you have Simon Tarsis who said that he was half Vulcan but ends up being half Romulan, and then this woman comes in. This is the witch hunt. Exactly. Yeah, it's the witch hunt where they're trying mm-hmm. to find the conspiracy within within the ship and they eventually realize that there is no conspiracy, but then they're still trying to find it. Yeah. It's a very frustrating episode, but it's really well written, really well acted, very it's compelling. It's a really good episode. Very well, adult episode. It was, just a witch it was hunt, last though. last season when they sent um, one of those officers to like interview the entire crew, right? When he's like, you did this and this and this. like That was actually season one. Was that season one? Yeah, that Come was on. when the... Wow. The what's was, his name? So oh my early. god, what's his name? The guy who ends up being uh the the leader of the conspiracy aliens. I didn't I realize that was so early on. Am I getting a phone call? Audrey's calling me. Hold on. Wait, wait. I'm putting on a speaker. Momento. What's up? Oh hey. Uh nothing. I, I'm done. Come and back. I did all the things. So should I come back? Yeah, yeah. come back. We're not come done back. yet. Come back. Okay, cool. Baby, I'm come back. I'll see you in a few. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm so excited. So I love how Picard holds his cool in this episode. Oh my god, it's so good. I mean, it's always good, yeah. but like especially in this episode, yeah. I feel so bad for that. He's an ensign, right? Simon, yeah. Yeah, that they just like put on trial for being, you know, for lying. For being on Romulan. His... I mean, he lied. He did. He lied on his Starfleet application. But he lied. Totally Is this like a Mulan right episode? Yeah. I'll make a man <laughs> out of you. <laughs> When Audrey gets back, we should just make her stand up over there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, where the other microphone is? Yeah. (laughs) Just like a bed. (laughs) Yeah. When Dan DeRozier comes over to podcast, he stands. Oh, really? The whole time. And he's just like like moving his arms around. You can hear that in the episode because he walks away from the mic a lot. Does he? Yeah. Yeah, you can hear him be like, it's really fun yeah um overall i thought this was a great episode though yeah um agreed i thought picard was just a badass yeah it was really sad to see that woman kind of deteriorate and go insane and because they formed that relationship sort of early on in the in the in the episode yeah her and picard formed that relationship yeah it is sad and then she just she just sort of like went I mean, just a woman at the end of a rope, like needing to retire and and yeah. having some some mental issues. It's very similar it was- to um, the wounded, where you have what was that captain's name? Was it Maxwell? Yes. Where I mean, he's right in that episode, but he's doing everything in the wrong way. Right. And even in this episode, I mean, she's technically right that Simon Tarsis is half Romulan. Like you can't mm-hmm. deny that, but she's not seeing the situation for what it is, and she's not acting appropriately. So yeah. it's I like the fact that they have two. Uh, people in in power in Starfleet in this season acting in a similar way, and then we have our crew who's kind of resetting the these people, saying this is where the bar is and you can't cross this line. Uh, the scene of- at the end with Worf is awesome. It's my favorite scene of the whole episode where Worf is just like, I believed her. You know, Worf oh, admits right. to Captain Picard that oh, right, he, he believed was like this her woman. Secret security, like, yeah, gonna go in and help me. Figure he was this like out. her Gestapo. Yeah. Which was interesting because, and it's well written because you can buy that. You can see Worf going on that line. Absolutely. It makes sense. Fun thing about the drumhead, written by Jerry Taylor, directed by Jonathan Frakes. Jerry Taylor went on to be the showrunner on Voyager. She wrote a lot of great episodes. She was one of the first strong female writing voices on, uh, that became like a, a head of Star Trek. A drumhead, so to speak. A drumhead. <laughs> yeah. So she's a badass. We have five episodes left. Should we wait for Audrey or should we? Uh, we've been talking on. for three hours. Let's keep going. Okay, we'll all pass sure. out. She'll so, be here soon. 
Half a Life is the next one. Yeah. Man, Half a Life. Um, this is the episode where Luoxana... Well, let me read the official synopsis here. This will say it better. Luoxana Troy causes trouble, <laughs> of course, when she finds out <laughs> that a scientist surprise. she has fallen in love with is also due to commit ritual oh, suicide. Oh my god, I hate... Th- I mean, like, I hate, hate this because episode? it hurts my heart. Man, like, this is another one that I hated as a kid. Rewatching now as an adult, I'm oh, like, this is a fucking valuable episode. Of I agree. Of oh, I it's her very powerful. First off, I love any episode with Majel Barrett Roddenberry. I do. She's Fuck like, yeah. I think my role model I has the best yeah. outfits on Star Trek. Yeah. She's she's a fucking badass. Yeah. She, and her she's relationship glorious. with Alexander later. Love it. Uh, so cute. The higher, the fewer. <laughs> yeah. Let's go have a mud bath. Forget I guess about that is next else. season, isn't it? We'll talk about that next okay. time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But no, I agree. I think this God, was a really important like, episode. Yeah. Um, no, I just, I think it's really interesting to, to have her look at another culture and finally embrace that, okay, this is what they do. Like, whether or not I agree with She's it. She's not happy about yeah. it still. Like, she, she tried, but at the end, she went and she supported him because that was just what they do. I mean, they've come to that through their own... You know, they've they've been alive for a long time. Like they've been around for a long time. But she yeah. came to the understanding that they came to this as a culture for a reason. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe she didn't, but she loved this man and accepted his beliefs. And either way, it's still a really powerful message. Yeah, uh, I also I, love that he's like a large guy. That's she true. falls in love with no, everybody. Okay, she tries to fall I, in love with everyone, but this one she actually cared about. Like, yeah. like John Luke, she kind of just wants to bang him and like have like a thing with someone or anybody. She even goes after Riker at one point. Oh which yeah, is really strange. Which is like <laughs> the United Federation of Herpes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I really, I really like to lock on a lot. Like, <laughs> I might call this episode the United Federation yes. of Herpes. <laughs> The SSTDs. This is the captain's log. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I I relate to her a lot, though. Like, I think I think that her character can just find something in everybody that she can latch onto, latch onto, and fall in love with. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it's just who she is. She doesn't do with women, though, and she should do that more. True. I agree with you. (laughs) Kayla, are you bi? Um, not a. Officially, everybody. I may have kissed girls before. Okay, I'm not. We've never talked about. I'm not this. bothered by it. I've never. I've never heard you talk about. I feel like you fall in love with someone's personality, not their body. Yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. I'm all about that. Um, Whether or not they do the same is the the problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I I loved that. What what's the the male character's name in this episode? That's a good question. I like his face tattoo. I don't remember. And at oh, first, Timison, Doctor Timison. At first, right. I feel bad for him because I's like, oh man, like. Oksana's got game. Man, you're just falling for this. She does this to yeah. everyone. You're not special. But then it's like, he is kind of special. Man, the way that he played it was so reserved. And the mm-hmm. way he played falling in love with such sadness well, he was knew incredible. He was about to die. Yeah, he played it so well. He's a great actor. I've seen him mm-hmm. in several. He was in Stargate Atlantis. Broke my he's, heart. He's great. Uh, this, is, this is my favorite performance that I've seen him give. Mm-hmm. Where um, what's happening beneath the surface in this character is, is so apparent. Yeah, yeah, totally. So like you can feel it in the air. Yeah. When he finally decides to throw away his entire culture and be in love with Loxana is is amazing. It's so beautiful. And then his daughter comes in and basically shames him into killing dying. himself. Yeah. Their, their society that's like, once you hit this age, you have to die. And it's like, no, there's time for people to be prevalent and like 
relevant in people's lives and like yeah. a contributing but, and it's hard for society. us because that's not our society but throw that away i mean this this works for this society and it, as much as can, it doesn't work for our society me the reasoning it, that they had about it well, because they they don't want to watch people grow old and be infirm which was also a, a really interesting statement Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely on aging because our society absolutely. throws away old people like our society yeah. thinks oh yeah. i have to take care of you now well you're not worth my time i'm going to throw you away like we were so this society black, is avoiding that there's like you know? that episode where they like the old lady in prison they were just like oh you've gone too crazy we're just going to release you on the streets bye yeah yeah <laughs> but i think it's i think it's totally a play on i mean just a completely different concept on society mm -hmm. I don't even think, I, I mean, yes, it definitely has some bearing in our society, but I think it was supposed to take you completely away mm -hmm. to something that you maybe couldn't understand. Oh, it completely totally. challenges all your values. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And what I've learned from the show is to is to put my values aside and examine the values of someone else. Mm -hmm. Right. And this episode does that extremely well. And to the point where you actually turn his mind around and then he goes back. Yeah, I just... love that it ends that way. I love that they do that. And then Waxana's choice is to value the time she has left with this person. And it's so it's sad, so but sad. it couldn't go another way and be true to the spirit of the show. Agreed. Yeah. It makes me Agreed. sad just thinking about it. Yeah. We got to talk about Michelle Forbes. Uh, Michelle Forbes, who just a few episodes later in season five will be... Um, What's her fucking Did name? she play the daughter of... Yeah. What? Oh, God damn it. It's my favorite character. Damn it. <laughs> favorite character. Well, obviously, it's not your favorite character. Can't remember character the name. Can't remember <laughs> the name. Uh, uh, Ro Laren. Oh, oh Ro. That's yeah. Ro Laren? Ro. Yeah. I forget this every time I watch through Next Generation, but then Michelle Forbes shows up as, um, as Timison's daughter... Oh, to convince wait. him to kill yeah, himself. Yeah, for like a very yes. brief moment. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's Michelle yes. Forbes. Uh, really? And every time I forget, and then she shows up. Your and favorite like, character? Oh, Ensign Rowe. Well, that was pretty awesome, hyperbole, but, but Ensign okay. Rowe is definitely very high up on my list. Yeah, of she's characters. great. She's and great for sure. My second biggest crush on Next Generation, next mm, to, to she's super uh, Tashi Yar's Tashi sister. sister. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would be that I could be Data. <laughs> uh, hashtag Yarbait. All right. So, anyways, great episode. Yeah. Very so impactful. Michelle Forbes shows up. She does a great job. She gets hired next season to be a, a recurring cast member. Fucking okay. cool. I all, like this episode. Makes like when I watch Deep Space Nine now, it like makes me feel better about Luxana and Oda's relationship. That like, was interesting. Yeah. Where Especially just, when like, they're holds in the him elevator. in her lap. Mm. I loved that episode. Love I feel like we love shouldn't it. go too far into it, but we shouldn't. That yeah. episode made me like. But I love it. It's so sweet. It made my heart like happy. At first, yeah. you're like, you're like, oh, you were just like one raging lady boner, just trying to get any guy. No, like, but she's not. She's not. She's, she's not. sweet. She like really. She's empathic, so she cares about everyone. But it's just like the stuff with Picard, where she's like, oh, you shouldn't have those thoughts about me, Captain. It's like he's not. Come on. Yeah. Like you know he's, he's not. not. How do you know that he's not? Oh come on! I don't think he is. <laughs> There's no way. So you think she's just fucking my with love? Oh yeah, is it's like, like a fever, <laughs> longing to be quell right or something yeah, like something that. Something like that. Uh, okay, let's move along. The host, episode twenty-three. A Trill ambassador is on board to mediate a dispute and falls in love with Dr. Crusher. This is the first time we see the Trill, huh? Yep. When the Trill host is killed, the symbiont has to be temporarily joined to Commander Riker to continue the negotiations and the affair. This episode so, didn't mean as much to me until I started watching Deep Space Nine. Yeah. I was like, 
Oh. So I thought it was interesting that the trill were so much different in this episode. Yeah, they look totally than they different. they were in Deep Space Nine. They've retconned this to say um, that it's like a, the southern and northern continent or something like that where they actually have different physical which, features. Well, I like that kind of thing because like not every single Klingon needs to look the same. Yeah. Not every single... The only reason they did that is sure. because they came up with better makeup that looked better on Terry Farrell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like any other race in Star Trek. Like, they've all evolved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they look different now. Yeah, I don't mind it. Don't I don't mind that at all. Anymore. It doesn't. It, that doesn't no, matter but, to me. No, but what 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 I thought was interesting was that in this episode, the trill uh, pretty much completely took over. Or the I'm host. sorry, the symbiote yeah, took over. Because the there's no Riker left. There's no Riker left. Like it was yeah. not a joining. Right. It was. It just was an overwriting a takeover. Yeah. Which I thought was very strange. Um, yeah, because there's episodes that the episode in DS9 where Jitsia meets it, uh, her former wife or husband right or like Curzon yeah. no who, I forget who it was but like one of the Daxes was married to one of the other I think it hosts. was Tarius. yeah and that's just so beautiful it's just like I used to be a man and you you were a woman you're a woman now and we're both women now but we're still in love with each other yeah and they're just like making out I mean, right to the Trill's credit so- in this episode the Trill still wanted that yeah. It was it was Dr. Crusher's reaction that that turned me off. Right. If she can get over being with Riker, the fact that she can't even consider being with a woman to me offends me a yeah. little bit. So I don't actually think that she was with Riker in that episode. Are you sure about that? They make out at one point and it's Well, they do make out. I don't think they I slept think they together, slept together. Though. It's insinuated. Okay. And of course okay. it's Star Trek, so sometimes they just insinuate just and you kind of go from there. Fade to black. But at, at least she was open to considering continuing the relationship with Riker. Right. So the other part of me is like, this is a beautiful message that it's the person inside and not the exterior that matters. But I I feel like the ending of this episode ruins that message. Okay, we're going to take a quick break from the discussion and I'm going to play you Moisture Farm. So I played this for you a couple weeks ago and since then I have finished the song. You'll notice that I've added a couple new sounds, just kind of uh, filled everything out, made it feel a little bit deeper. You can listen further into the background. There's more exciting things happening throughout the song. I realized that I actually sang one of the words incorrectly on the original version. The second verse is supposed to be, I sow these desert fields, my evaporators hum, to reap a salient yield, I've honed the bluest thumb. But I accidentally sang to reach a salient yield when I first recorded it. And that's just nowhere near as good. You gotta reap and sow in a song about farming. You can't reach and sow. That's not cool. So I had to fix it. So, a little insider knowledge of how I fixed this. First of all, I sang the main line again, but I'd also done the vocoder, and I couldn't recreate the vocoder sound because it's like, uh, I, you know, I use my analog synthesizer to run through the vocoder instead of using the digital synthesizer, which is inside the vocoder. That'll make sense to some people. But there was just no way to recreate that sound and have it match exactly. So, I took the word reach, and I cut off the ch at the end of it. So, the vocoder is actually saying to re a salient yield instead of to reap, which you can't really notice, but you might be able to hear since I've told you about it. Fun fact, uh, me fixing my own fuck-ups there. So I didn't really tell you much about this song when I played it for you last time. I had come up with the main riff that da-da-dun, 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 dun When I first got my Korg Minilog synthesizer, I was just sitting on the floor and playing around with sounds for hours and uh, found this really cool sound that I liked and wrote that line for it, recorded it on my phone, and it just kind of sat in my brain and ran itself over and over again. And I'm pretty sure it was actually the next morning when I was on my way to work. I was just walking out the front door, 
and I was listening to that melody in my head, that da 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 and then all of a sudden, a voice just sang, I swear, it just happened, just sang, I watched the setting sun from my moisture farm, in my head, it sang it just like that, in a vocoded voice, I was like, holy shit, that's great, that's so cool, I'm gonna write a song about... Luke Skywalker being on a moisture farm. <laughs> the whole idea of like the, the feeling of the song just presented itself to me. The idea of this young boy just being bored, wishing he could get off of his family's farm, go out into the galaxy and do something exciting, but not realizing that he is going to be the first in a new line of Jedi Knights. Uh, just seemed like the perfect song to write, just kind of that youthful angst. And to me, like my own personal emotional connection into it was just, this feeling that I've had my whole life that I want to do something bigger, something better, something, uh, you know, important with myself and just like trying over and over to make something like that happen and just kind of feeling like I'm just kind of stuck in the day to day of my own life all the time. So looking at that through the lens of Star Wars, through Luke Skywalker, through this story that we all know, trying to get out some of my own angst about life through that just seemed like the perfect song to write. So then a couple weeks ago, I sat down to actually write the song. I'd been working on the lyrics. I'd been kind of carrying around a notepad on my phone with some of the lyrics written out. I hadn't quite figured out what all the lyrics were going to be until I actually sat down and started recording the song. I'd been listening to the Star Wars radio plays, which I didn't even know existed, but uh, Evan sent them to me and I listened to them and it kind of inspired the, uh, this, the third verse. I had the first two verses written out for a couple months now, but the third one, I just didn't know what I wanted to say. And then by listening to the radio plays and getting myself in the mindset of a young moisture farmer on tattooing, I was able to figure out what I wanted to say in that. So thank you, Evan. And then I sat down to actually create the sounds, uh, make all the sounds on the synthesizer. I built all of them from scratch to kind of fit this desert feeling that I was going for. Definitely inspired by not just 80s New Wave, but also Super Mario 3, the uh, the desert world. I was definitely thinking about that when I was working on these sounds. Um, but it started to change pretty drastically from my original vision. It became much more Devo-ish, and that's awesome. So I just ran with that. And then all of the synthesizers uh, that I played on the original version last week, I actually ran through a tape machine um, not to record to tape, but just to use the really, really shitty preamps on it so I could overdrive the preamps. So everything has this really warm, distorted sound uh, from running it through this really, really shitty tape machine. If you've been following me for a while, if you listen to Be Cool when I released that video, it's got this really distorted drum sound in the beginning. And that's how I got that drum sound as well. I ran my uh, analog drum machine through this tape machine just to distort the preamps. Most preamps, when you try to distort them, they sound awful, but for some reason, this particular machine, when you run through distorted preamps on it, it sounds crazy good, super cool. Uh, it's actually something that Barton gave me before he moved to New Zealand, and we use it uh, very heavily on the Mugatu album to get that crazy distorted sound. Once I finished the song, I went back and found that original recording that I'd done on my phone of the riff when I first wrote it months ago. And learned to my dismay that I actually played the riff wrong on the song. Let me play you the original riff here, just on my phone. So yeah, as you can see, it's a totally different sound, uh, different notes, different rhythm, different key. Besides that, it's the same. <laughs> 
so I heard that and I was like, shit, I played the whole song wrong. So I actually went back and started taking the song apart and tried to play it with the correct riff and realized that uh, it was better. It was better the new way. All of the cool bass line, the boop, 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 boop. I love that stuff. It's so Devo. It's so uh, new wave. That had become one of my favorite parts of the song, and that line didn't fit with the riff as it was originally written. So I had this moment where I just decided, you know what? I wrote this song. I'm changing it. Who cares? Uh, Which is great, because then I didn't have to re-record most of the song. A couple other cool notes about uh, the recording of this one. I did two things I've never done before. One is I panned everything really strangely like the bass is panned over on the left uh the vocals are panned over on the right the only thing in the center is the drums normally i have bass vocals and drums all in the center or very close to the center and this one for some reason just uh the sounds the texture inspired me to try something totally different and throw things out to the sides in a weird way and i feel like it works i'm really i'm really into that i feel like i made that work and i'm happy about it I also put in some noises that are kind of reminiscent of an R2-D2 singing. (laughs) I wanted to have a droid in the background kind of singing along, or I imagine this droid dancing along to the music. There's sounds that I think of as like the vaporators and as an engine taking off later in the song. So I did some actual sound effects that I made on the synthesizer. I've never tried to do that before, but it was so much fun, and I feel like adds a lot of cool texture to the song. So since you've heard this last, I remixed and mastered the song. It's got a lot more punch, a lot more life to it. I re-recorded a couple other vocals just to get a little bit better of a take. It really came together. I'm really proud of this one. I'm really happy with it. I've never recorded a song this quickly, uh, taking it from beginning to end. This song is now available online. It's streaming on YouTube and Bandcamp and available for download on Bandcamp. If you are one of my Patreon subscribers at $5 or more per month, you actually get all of my new songs for free. So I'm emailing that over to you today. Never fear. And if you'd like to become a Patreon supporter, you can do so at patreon.com slash sci-fi project. I also released Cosmic Child this week at long last. So anyone at $5 or more per month will get both of those songs emailed straight over to you as a special thank you for your continued support. All right, enough said. Here is the brand new final version of Moisture Farm. And after we listen to this, we'll jump back into the rest of the TNG discussion, joined again by Jeff, who arrived right when we took that break. Here it is.
Audrey's back. I'm hey. back. Yay. Yay. All right. Ooh. I just couldn't stay away from yeah. you guys. The episode that just won't quit. Oh, girl. <laughs> Next up, The Mind's Eye. En route to Ryza, Jordi LaForge is taken prisoner on a Romulan ship and mentally conditioned to assassinate a Klingon governor in order to implicate the Federation as enemies of the Empire and unbalance relations between the two governments. It's like Zoolander, right? Yeah, like... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say we Clockwork the Orange. Minister of Malaysia. <laughs> you win. Am I the only one taking crazy pills here? Yeah. <laughs> the files are in the computer? <laughs> God damn. Did you know that Mugatu in Zoolander was named after the Mugato, the weird uh, abominable sm- snowman from Star Trek, the original series? You know Boom. what? Boom. I know what? now. <laughs> That's I true. Know that. wow. Hashtag truth. <laughs> truth. Retcon. Hashtag uh, Yarbait. <laughs> oh, I'm so like glad tagline? that Yarbait's still uh, Yarbait. is going strong. What about Holodeck Devil. and Chill? Oh, we need to bring that back, that guys. That was a good one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this episode's fucking awesome. Guys. I love this one. This episode has uh, one of one of the best moments of the season, where Jordy is just like hanging out with the shuttlecraft in the beginning of the episode. <laughs> he's like playing like some music. Nah, yeah. not like that. Let's play a game, computer. Like he's, <laughs> he's like, just again showing that Jordy is the coolest around technology. Yeah, but can't talk <laughs> and to a, a woman. little special. And then all of a sudden, a Romulan warbird appears behind him, and he's in a fucking shuttle by himself. And it's just this like crazy oh shit moment yeah. that I love so much. Uh, and then he he gets like kind of like tortured and conditioned. They use his visor to watch him. They put him back on the ship oh. and then he becomes a double agent. This is like Jordy's four mm-hmm. lights. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. This episode is is terrifying. It's very unsettling. It's really unnerving. Yeah. Um and he doesn't remember and shit. He doesn't That's remember anything. That's what's so scary about it. Yeah, like, at the end when he has those block like weird block in his memory he has these gaps that are missing really well written really well acted it always bothers me when you have to see the whites of Jordy's eyes it's like something has gone wrong interesting yeah yeah because he doesn't just take his his visor off if everything's going around yeah that's his life condom (laughs) yeah (laughs) this is also when we meet uh Sila for the first time that's her name right Silo Silo Sila yeah that's her name the the Romulan Played by Denise Crosby. Oh, maybe right. she, by Data. She's like in <laughs> in the shadows. Yeah, you don't actually meet her. Wait, does, why don't I remember this? I don't either. Does she step out of the shadows? Did I just ruin this? I thought she stepped out of the shadows at the end of the episode. Does she? No, we we thought, that's at the end of the last episode. Yeah, I thought that was that, oh, that right. was like the cliffhanger. You're yeah, right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. That's I'm when sorry. she appears. She's in the shadows in this episode. You hear her voice. And I then she steps out of the shadows. Really? She mm-hmm. steps out of the shadows in Redemption Part One. So you yeah, have right. seen her. Okay, I've good. seen her in Redemption Part One. That's okay, but you're jumping the gun yeah. a little. Yeah. Okay. That's as so long weird. as I didn't ruin something for for Audrey, that's fine. <laughs> Again, my favorite part is how Data just figures that shit out. He's yeah. like, "That's weird. Wait a second. Yeah. And he like just totally backwards engineers like all of these <sighs> clues into that's figuring right. out exactly you know what's what gonna go going down. Yeah. And he's like, "Worf, Worf, like stop. You know, so you have to you know take Data and or." Uh, 
Laforge into custody. Mm -hmm. And he's like, sir? And he's like, that's an order. And I was like, oh. (laughs) And they like run in and grab Jordy's arm as he's about to shoot. Yeah. And Picard is like on that shit. He like moves his arm. And that part was so rad. Oh, yeah. And there's that Klingon ambassador who's in it with the Romulans. This is good shit. This is like really. Such good watching at the end of that episode. Yeah. It's a well sewn plot. Mm -hmm. I love that Picard grabs his arm because he's like, I was a Borg once, like, I don't want to mm. see you done the same way I got did. Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, you know? the memories of He's everyone like, that Picard killed goes, at Wolf 359 stay yeah. with him the rest of his life. Because Picard's uh-huh. basically like, I know you don't have a, a brother in France to have wine with, so, like, you're never going to get over this unless you mud fight. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> you and Data need to go mud fight on the yeah. holodeck. Yeah. <laughs> Captain's orders. You need to yeah. work some shit out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think Poor one of, one of the better episodes of the season for sure. Mm. Very high up there for me. Yeah, cuz you never see Jordy angry really. I mean, he gets yeah. frustrated with broccoli, but he never like gets mad. <laughs> yeah. Next up we have in theory the penultimate episode of season 4. Is this this the is end? the one where Data yes. Gets oh a girlfriend. God. So good. This is the one where he actually pursues a relationship yeah, with a he, woman. Yeah, he, he writes the software to rewrites his programming yeah. for her. Yeah, oh. he's like, I wrote a new program for you. <laughs> I, I really, like, I just, and I she's just like, want Aw. that. Huh? I just want that. I mean, too. It's so I good. I love it. Yeah. yeah, at the end when he deletes that program is one of the the more inhuman moments in all of Data's history. Yeah. And it's really fucking disturbing. It's really eye-opening for me, though, because it's just so indicative of the kind of guys that I like to date. Because, like, because <laughs> he, like, he's like, okay, well, and she's like, well, you don't really care for me at all. And he's like, oh, I guess not. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, all right, later. And That's he's like, totally we're not dating life. anymore, right? And I'm like, yeah. And then he picks up his cat. It's like, what's up, Spot? <laughs> what's, what's more disturbing, watching Data with the Honey, I'm Home scene or watching Jordy with the real Dr. Leah Brooms. Oh, God, they're both call. so cringy. Yeah. <laughs> Jordy. Yeah, Jordy. I Jordy's think so the worst because Data has an excuse. Being well, like, she's rebounding with Data. She's You're super right. rebounding. You, now I'm thinking about it, like, that's the totally guys I date too. Yeah. Like, they're emotionally unavailable. Cool. Oh, I'm super yeah. into this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but also the cat person thing. Yeah. That's also. <laughs> At the Star Trek convention in SeaTac that I went to a couple years ago, the actress who played Data's girlfriend was there and I got to meet her. Aww. Which is super cool. Aww. Apparently, she was also in Alien Nation, the TV show, I think, which I've never seen. Never seen. There's also that. a movie for that. I need to check this shit out because it looked cool. <laughs> um, but I think I think this is a really special episode. Uh, yeah, a very special episode of Star Trek. Because <laughs> they're both trying, and it's like that's yeah. what relationships are about—is trying. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to watch one of those relationships just kind of start and flame out immediately because we've all experienced that so many mm-hmm. times. But to see it with this person who is hyper intelligent. But completely emotionally stunted. Unavailable. Yeah. Well, I was surprised that this was, was the first time this happened to Data. I mean, he's kind of foxy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't spend a lot of time with people outside of, like, the main... Of the Yar family? <laughs> <laughs> and Tasha had to get wasted to do it. That's true. Yeah, yeah That's true. Tasha she was, was wasted. wasted. She was trashed. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, one of the things I particularly liked about this episode is everyone's brand of advice to data he went to oh, every single British yes. person he turned into Wes is what happened oh my god he did <laughs> he turned he into Wes Worf's advice was great Wes <laughs> so just Wesley like- Oh, sure. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Worf's advice was great. Oh, Worf's advice. I'm not a huge fan of Worf, but that was hot. He's like, 
We don't try to date people. We try to conquer them. <laughs> and I'm like, ooh, yikes. Yeah. For life. Yeah. Did that switch like you from Data to Wharf? Huh? Did that switch you from Data to Wharf? Just like... for like a split second. Okay. I, I will love Data forever, though. <laughs> um, so Data's like the vampire trope, and Wharf is more of the uh, werewolf trope. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. That's so true. I love that. Never thought about that. Worf is such a werewolf. Beast in the sheets. Uh, Riker's advice was great. He's like, dude, go for it. Yeah. I'd high five you a hundred times. This is Patrick Stewart's first directing credit. Oh, really? Really? Oh, I love that. Oh, that's great. I love that episode. That makes me happy. I heard you say erecting credit. And I was like, what? He's had several erecting credits. credits. (laughs) He built an erector set. How'd you feel about the female character in this one? I forget her name, but um, she's like very obviously rebounding, very obviously looking for love in all the wrong places. I totally related to her. (laughs) I totally related to her. She seems young. She seems smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She just... She's I got mean, a bright future. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, I completely related to her. Yeah, like, I would have I would have hit on Data at the same point in my life yeah. that she is in, was in. I like that no one on the bridge judged her for being attracted to an android, though. Like... Yeah. Like, uh... Everyone was cool with it. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I found her a little bit, I found her a little bit uh, two dimensional and just kind of like a set piece that was there to serve Data's development. But when you put it like that, just she's young and like at that age, like she's just, you know, doing her rebound thing and just going, Mm -hmm. yeah, like that does make sense. Yep. So I'm in the middle. I'm on the fence. Like, I feel like she's like a 2.5 dimensional character. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like, I do, I like her. I like this episode. I think she, as an actress, did a great job. Mm-hmm. I think um, she came back yeah. a lot stronger when she was like, you know what, this is not what I want. Yeah. And it's like, how, yeah. that's like the easiest breakup ever. Like, can all of my breakups be like, can I delete this subroutine? Yes. <laughs> yeah, please. I did feel like it was weird that, um, that it came into the episode, like in the beginning of the episode, it was like her and Data already had some sort of a working relationship and we'd never seen her before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like she was That's just kind of like thrown into the episode. Like I feel like they yeah. should have put her in a couple episodes back. I, to- I totally agree. Nice. And I, I accept those list. things because I understand that it's TV and yeah. that's how it works. But I totally agree. I feel like these days we would have gotten more setup. When when it ends, I'm left with this like insanely hollow feeling because I love Data. But then seeing that he... He's so loveless at the end of this episode. Right. You know, it's so weird to see someone you love just be so different yeah. and in a way that you don't really expect because we all sometimes I feel like Data has emotions and sometimes I feel like I'm projecting that onto him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's a reminder that he's an android. Yeah, totally. Yeah, definitely. Okay, we made it. Last episode, season four. Season four. Redemption part one. Season four (laughs) Nally. Picard balances his Federation and Klingon duties as new Klingon Chancellor Gowron faces a civil war. Worf and his brother Kern fight to regain their father's honor. I've always like disliked the Klingon episodes. Me too. I'm not a huge fan. Oh, I love the the Klingon episodes. I'm not a huge fan Um, of the Klingon episodes. They're very fucking frustrating though this one is not as good as the one earlier in the season you know what might help is if you relate the klingons to the japanese samurai and i mean like, i love the klingon episodes yeah. i don't need help with shit no i'm, I'm not speaking to you <laughs> well you're looking right at me but you're, you're, you're like in right in front of us dude like <laughs> that's why we're staring line. at you yeah. you're all on the couch yeah. just looking okay. at jesse mercury Miles, if you need some help think of them as the samurai <laughs> 
Cool. Thanks, Miles. Uh, I don't really care about samurai either, so I guess it doesn't really work for I me. I don't know. It's just Damn, like Gina. it's a very like reserved, <laughs> like familial culture that they have. But it's also I I just don't like the corruption of it. That's what yeah. really turns me off to it. It pisses me I off love so that. much. I love that they're so corrupt and Worf is not. Because he grew up with humans idolizing Klingon society. he's Mowgli. I enjoy this episode. It's a lot of politics. And there's not much emotional resonance until the very end when Worf decides to leave. And it feels tacked on for the sake of having oh, a cliffhanger to me. Yeah. I've always felt this way. The politics is interesting to me. This yeah. is where the Duras sisters show up for the first time, right? Oh, okay, yeah. Where they're, we talked about that earlier, yeah. Yeah, where they're claiming uh, that they have the right to the throne. And they have that like little teenager. But they don't. Yeah, like, that teenage oh, kid. This is, this is the new right. This is the episode where we have Sila showing up at the end, where we had the reveal mm -hmm. of Denise Crosby, and it's just like a wah moment. It's interesting that Denise Crosby wanted to leave the show, mm -hmm. and then this is the second time that she's shown up again since mm -hmm. she died. Audrey, what did you think about that? Because th So this is as far as you are in the show. We're now current to what you've seen, right? Yes. Which is fucking cool. Like, yeah. what are your thoughts? What's going to happen next? What do you think? I have no idea where they're going with this at all. What did what did Redemption feel like to you as a first time watcher? Um, I I watched it and I kind of understand. I don't hate like the Klingon characters as much after Redemption. I do like the development with Worf's character leaving the Enterprise. I know he's probably coming coming back. Like I I don't really have any doubt that he's gonna like come back to the Enterprise yeah. like at all. <laughs> so that has no effect on me. I'm interested to see where that goes. I'm excited to see what happens in Redemption, the the next part two, in part two. However, uh, because the Klingon episodes aren't my favorite, I'm not particularly. It's not like the ones with the yeah, Borg, you know, where I was like, oh my it. God, what's going to happen? Just for the sake of finishing that storyline, I, I do want to see what happens. But I'm far more excited about just seeing what else is going to happen in the next season. Yeah. Just because I loved this season so much. So yeah. just watching the next season is what I'm excited about. Yeah. I think season not, five is excellent. Yeah, not necessarily yeah. Yeah. what happens with that whole I think, plot line. But I yeah. think in the next season, you'll start to like the Klingons more because I was the same way with mm -hmm. yours. Like, dude, these guys are dick holes. Like, <laughs> fuck it's not just guys. that they're dicks. They're just little babies. Like, for as strong as they're supposed to be, they're mm -hmm. little fucking pansies. They're like, I'm like, poison dude, the chancellor? Really? Oh, no. Why don't you guys cry about your honor some no. more? We Suck it up. <laughs> God. Well, let's let's sum up season four. Oh, I feel Guinan. Like... Guinan. Yeah. Sorry. Go for it. Guinan in that episode. Really what, great. what did she do? I don't remember. She came out for target practice. Oh, and was shit. Like, I noticed you never laugh. And he's like, Klingons do not laugh. She's like, sure they do. You don't <laughs> yeah. laugh. Like, yeah. That was great. I, I hear Klingons yeah. laugh all the time. Do you think that Troy feels like Guinan's kind of like walking in on her territory? Of well, being there, was that one, there was that one episode this season where uh, she doesn't have her abilities and yeah. she's talking to Guinan and Guinan's like, well, you're resigning. And I heard that there's like, oh, I heard the position was open yeah. for a uh -huh. ship counselor. And she's like, there's a little more to it than that. She just, she's a fan of the Socratic method and she makes people talk themselves you know in into, a, their into, their, into their own revelations yeah. rather than like, telling them love that woman yeah it's I'll, really rad i love the scene where guinan and Riker are flirting to oh, show that's my favorite yeah. scene yeah. and tell anything. me more about my eyes yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, good. so this season as a whole uh i feel like 80% incredibly solid episodes. 120%. 120%. Uh, there was that little bit of a lull in the center. And then the only episode that I feel like is 
um, is not Jonah necessarily a good Jonah. episode. Yeah. Well, even the Jono episode is okay. The one with the trill is the one that bothers oh, me. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Which one I can that see again? that. We talked about it because um, Beverly basically falls in love with the trill. Yeah, you can listen then, to the episode later. You'll find and out. And then the, the host <laughs> dies and Riker gets Oh, I love that one. Oh, really? We don't have to talk about well, it, but I, I actually to. really love that one. I, I was talking about how upset I was that when she gets into a female host, Beverly's very dismissive She's at like, the end. Uh-uh. It's a lot to ask from a person out of nowhere. But maybe that would be easy for me, but not that this sort of thing doesn't always come easily to everybody. The equipment matters it's for a not, lot of people. It's not... It's not that that bothers me. It's the dismissive way in which Beverly dis- like, delivers those lines. She just can't handle those emotions right then. I'm not I saying- feel like if she can get down with like making out with Riker, she can get down with making out with the girl. She didn't didn't even give it a shot. Didn't even like consider it for a second. She's just like, no. I just think that that's like a lot to ask of a person. Like, I feel like know. in this idealized future, yeah, uh, gender and sexuality issues are so much more. Um, solved than yeah, they are now. Yeah, but that now. doesn't mean that everyone's going to be okay. People's preferences are their preferences. Like, just, I sort of agree with Audrey. Like people's the, preferences are their preferences. Just because uh, just they're in the a more evolved way. society, it's the dismissive way that it's approached that bothers me. Well, I feel like the dismissiveness is just part of her being like, I can't deal with this. Like you know, and I don't want to feel these feelings for you anymore. And so I'm going to be dismissive about them because she's a human being, and people don't deal I feel, with. If things they had the right just done it sometimes. with another man, like another man, and she's just like, I can't handle the changes. That's one thing. I don't. Well, I think that so much of it would have been lost. Maybe Ugh. she could. Maybe she just couldn't handle the changes, though. Maybe it didn't have anything to do with the fact that it was a woman. I feel like the way it's played is is because, is of, because it's a woman. Because yeah, she handled she handled one change. Yeah, and that was Riker. hard well, for her. Riker's like it was already level. hard for her. Yeah. yeah, and then there was another change. Because they're on the same. Like, I mean, that would be hard for me if it was like, oh, your physical form is just going to change all the time. The, there's just such a long history of not accepting. Uh, like homosexuality and gender fluidity in Star Trek, mm-hmm. where that's the one thing that's never really been represented, where everything else is represented. Not everything, but a lot of other things. So I just have I have a chip on my shoulder about that, and this is a moment where I felt let down. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't think There's... that it would be that easy for you to dismiss your preferences. You know, like it's just a lot to ask for a person. But that's what that episode was about. I feel like the point of the episode is that it's what's inside and not external that counts. Yes. Mm-hmm. Falling in love with the person inside. That's the most important takeaway for that, for sure. For, for me, yeah. 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 And obviously for you also, Kayla. Yeah. So for me to to say that it can only be in this one like traditional form when I don't feel like that's that's not how I see the world. So that's but why that, it bothered maybe me. Maybe that's just how she f- feels about it. Right. Like, I feel we like can't dictate what other people should be feeling. Absolutely. Well, that's not... It's a Yeah, that's true. But it's a TV show. True. It's like, it's the representational nature of the TV show. That's what's if bothering me. Had, it's not the character's choice. Like, if it's huh. a real person and that's her choice, sure. then f- of course I'm fine with that. You're just that's not happy not the with issue. the way the writers so, are. I'm not happy with the way the writers are, are kind of... I felt like they're making homosexuality a punchline at the end of this episode. I won't. No, no, I completely disagree with that. I (laughs) I completely disagree with that. I feel like they're saying that because she turned into a woman that um, obviously Beverly won't go for that road. I don't think that that that's not what I took away from it at all. No, maybe maybe. I mean, I guess I could see that. But when I watched it, that's not what I took away from it at all. Mm -mm. Um, Kind of a little bit with you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you're totally off base. 
I don't think I feel you know, like you you're want... you're entitled to your opinion. I don't think it's wrong. So, I think that yeah. it's very subjective. But that's how I feel about the episode. Like, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like you also want Star Trek to be so forward thinking in every way in that timeline. Which I mean, let's face it, like no one on TV in that time frame was really gonna do that. Yeah. Yeah. I so, think like, it was they, a big I think they it was like a huge they prodded at that. it. They prodded at it. They tried. And Star yeah. Trek has been the most forward thinking in all of in Everything. all of these kinds of yeah. issues. Yeah. But just because they haven't done that yet doesn't mean that they were like, oh, we hate homosexuality. Just like, that's not a thing that Star Trek was ever trying to do. Yeah. But Which were, I think is kind of, I, like, I feel like that's what you're forward. trying to say. No. Oh, okay. And I don't believe that. I Let's feel like there had the... been this, like, letter writing campaign for decades at that point saying, like, I, you're representing different um, minorities. You're representing different races. I want to be represented as a part of the LGBT community. Did that happen? Is that what you're no, saying? No, that that didn't happen before. Can that? we change? Oh no, that word? happened since the the original series came out. Like that's been a a big thing since the original series came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, is people? I would love to see like documentation on this. I've never heard about this, and I'm really? like huge into the Star oh, Trek it's universe. Like, it's a huge part of the history of Star Trek is people clamoring for LGBT representation and it not happening. I just think that it was a big. I thought it was a I, really good leap for the time period that that show was made. I agree. I think that that was really tapping on some stuff that people And also, like, 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 show, like me, a, show me this later. Where I come from is like, if you love someone, it's like, what if I got into a car accident and my face got disfigured? Would you still love me? What if I became a woman? Would you still love me? And like, one of my favorite bands is Against Me and Laura Jane Grace is, used to be Tom Gable and like came out as trans and Rolling Stone on the cover of it and told their wife and their wife was like, here's a divorce. And like, yeah, I mean, I guess people change throughout their lifetime, but in the one hour period that Beverly like fell in love with this person, she should be able to see those qualities that she loved about that person and at least give yeah. it a shot. Just that's give it how a I shot. feel too, or at least like, not just shut it down immediately. Right away. Like that's yeah. why I'm with you. Is like yeah. just entertain it for a second. But I mean, this is an interesting discussion. Yeah, for sure. I'd gladly talk to you about it some other time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for season four. We'll definitely be back for season five. Thank yeah, you so that much. Was Goodbye, nice. my darling. Let's yeah. see you on season Good five. Good night. See you at season five. Yeah. Well, it'll be awesome. Yeah. I'm tired. But I'm glad I made it for the and last couple drunk episodes. Too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah sure. You guys are more drunk. Than, I'm like not drunk and I'm like here and you guys are like loudly. <laughs> like. Yeah, we almost drank that entire bottle yeah. of whiskey. <laughs> this like, is so rare that I'm not the drunkest person here. Yeah. Like that's we not usually how that goes. Yeah, we oh, had a that's awesome. <laughs> I'm gonna right. go to Lost League. Well, this is great. This is always super fun. Thank you all so much. Yeah. I always have a blast, even though we just sit here for like four hours and it's exhausting, but it's so fun. I love it so much we'll do it again soon yeah this is great yeah absolutely thank Thank you. you Wow, we made it. We made it through season four. That was a long one. Thank you so much for sticking with us through all three episodes. I really appreciate it. I love your support so much. Uh, Just listening to the show means the world to me, as I've said thousands of times. But I'll say it again. It means the world to me. Thank you so much. Do me a solid. Leave us some positive feedback on iTunes. It really helps us show up in search results. Get us to the top of those sci-fi charts. If people look up science fiction, I want them to see this show. Thanks again to my wonderful guests, Kayla, Tiffin, and Jeff. Stamina. The stamina on you three. Very impressive. Very impressive podcast, Stamina. 
Believe it or not, I actually have more from these three episodes. I have some deleted content, which I'll be sharing with my Patreon supporters. If you sign up for just two bucks a month, you get access to all of my podcast extras. So if you're a Patreon supporter signed up at two bucks a month or more, you'll be receiving that in your email very shortly. Next week, Barney, Britton, and I will be discussing The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So you've got one more week to read the first two books if you want to be caught up story-wise on what we'll be discussing And I would definitely recommend watching the American film because it's fucking awesome. At least I think so. Barney doesn't think so. We'll hear more about that next week. Make sure to head over to jessemercury.com to download uh, Cosmic Child and Moisture Farm, which are both now available. My library of sci-fi synth pop is getting bigger every day. Soon I'll have this new song, Saturn, and I'm still working on Lightspeed and Cold Dead World, both of which are proving to be very difficult, so they're going to take me a while. Um... Saturn, I think I'll be done with pretty quickly. Hopefully, it's another moisture farm situation where I get the song in and out pretty fast. If you have anything you want to say, want to share with me, or want read on the show, you can always email me at sci-fi at jessemercury.com. All right, friends, here is where I leave you. I will see you next week for some sweet, sweet Hitchhiker's Guide. Stay nerdy out there, and I'll see you then. 